Welcome back to Momplicated. My husband is out of town all week for work, so I am flying solo. Um, however, by the time this episode airs, he will already be back. So if you were planning on murdering me, you missed your window. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I think that way, but um, <laughs> in talking to other women, I have learned that we all kind of seem to, which also actually doesn't really make sense because from talking to those same women, I also know that like we are the light sleepers. If it is nighttime and I so much as hear my child breathing differently from the next floor, I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? Um, my husband, like never. <laughs> and this isn't a dig at him at all. It's really more uh, that to me, everything in the night feels like an emergency. Like it all feels so urgent. If he's the one to get up with the kids at night, I feel like he moves at the pace of like a normal sleepy person, which actually tends to enrage me. But <laughs> but if I get up with the kids, I am moving as if like the house is on fire. And I assume it's sort of just residual anxiety from uh, left from the newborn days that I haven't <laughs> dealt with. And it's just how I am now. It's like once you become a mom, your brain changes forever and you just no longer get to sleep in the carefree way that you once did. Uh, we do have a German Shepherd, though, who I complain a lot about because dogs are just a lot of work, but who I am always super grateful for when my husband's traveling or when like we're hiking because uh, she really is like a very good companion and protector. <sighs> In some ways, I will say it, things sometimes feel a bit easier when my husband's out of town, just in the way that it's it's always a little bit easier when there's one less person in the house. Like it could be any of the living beings in our household, really. And I'm like, huh, it's like a little bit quieter. There's one less person to check in with. There is less laundry. Uh, I actually don't do my husband's laundry, but you get the point. I also think a big part of it feeling easier, at least like in the beginning of the week, because by the end of the week, I will be struggling and in need of a break is that I think I've already sort of subconsciously like lowered the bar for myself. Um, like when you know you're going to be the only adult around, you're like, well, I'm not going to cook some amazing dinner and I'm probably not going to worry about screen time as much. And I'm not going to put a bunch of pressure on myself to make it some like in crazy or some like enriching crazy fun week my goal is to get everyone where they need to be probably not even on time uh, but they will be fed and wearing clean underwear and that is all that matters um it does make me think that we could all probably stand to channel that sort of like lower bar energy every once in a while even if our partner is home for no reason other than we could all probably use a little break and to cut ourselves some slack. Uh, one of the ways that it does kind of suck though for me when my husband is gone is that I'm definitely an extrovert and I am primarily a stay-at-home mom. So even on a regular day, like I don't get a ton of adult interaction and that can really start to wear on me by the end of the week. 
which is why I am extra happy to get to welcome back my friend Lauren, who joined us on our very first episode. Hello. Hey, girl. Hey. (laughs) Was that like the most millennial greeting? Yes. They probably, I think now, I think now people say like, hi, bestie. I actually never know how to greet people on here because I feel like I realized that in real life, I'd never actually greet people in a normal way. Like I... I don't know what bestie means. I always feel a little like (laughs) concerned. Like, are you using that sarcastically? I never know like if it's genuine. (laughs) It was just like this morning I dropped Bodie off at my parents' house and I walk in the door and I feel like I always, like 90% of the time, I do the Seinfeld like, hello, la la la. Anytime I walk in, or like, then definitely any Gen Z or like is like absolutely no, yeah, oh my god, or I'll do the Mrs. Doubtfire, the hello, you know what, whatever gets you through the day. <laughs> right. We actually, um, that actually, I feel like saying that now I have to tell the story about the best thing that happened to me two weeks ago. I was out for a friend's birthday. And it was towards the end of the night and we were at a bar and it was like a fancier bar, right? So there was um, like a bowl of citrus like on the on the bar for drinks. Like, I guess that makes it a fancy bar to me. Yes. And <laughs> someone was like telling a story with their hands or something and uh, they like hit, must have hit the bowl or whatever. And so fruit just went like flying everywhere and I was like, oh, my God, Dina, like your entire life has been leading up until this moment, like to this moment. So I, I go, it was a run by fruiting. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. I'm never going to top this. Like, I can go. die happy now. Yeah. Like, I knew 2024 was going to be good, but I just didn't think it was going to peak so early in the year. And all of a sudden, people understood what you were doing there. Yeah, like people caught it. They were like, "Did you just say? Did you just quote Mrs. Doubtfire?" I was like, "Absolutely, I did." <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Ah, so. uh, but yeah. Speaking of birthdays, that is my entire life right now. Max's birthday was yesterday, which meant that I ate cake at eight p.m. and now I'm like paying for it today. What was the the term you used, Chris? Chris birthday anniversary. Oh yeah, it's Miss- it's Chris birth and anniversary season over oh here. Oh gosh. But yeah, we've had so much cake and like one of the many perks of getting older that I was just unaware of is food hangovers. Like I slept horribly and now I'm like foggy all cuz I had cake. Well, and especially but- as women, like the conditions that have to be met for me to have a decent day are outrageous. Yes. Outrageous. Yes. Like it really food, feels that way. Sleep, caffeination, where I am in my cycle, yeah. like everything yeah. has to be perfectly aligned. How recently I had therapy, you know, it's just so many things. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, seriously, I, like all those stars need to align, or in order to like wake up feeling like ah, I'm refreshed. But and yeah. then there are husbands, you know, just going through their lives feeling the exact same every day. Yeah, lucky sons of bitches. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I'm like, hopefully, like we're nearing the end of it, though. Like, so we're done with birthday cake. Like it was it was getting out of control with the kids, too. I'm pretty sure like Bodhi just thinks like it's a birthday. Like he thinks happy birthday is a normal song you sing regularly. 
like last night I was putting her to bed and I started singing You Are My Sunshine because that's like his song. He was like, no, happy birthday. And I was like, all right, sure, kid. Why not? So, like it, it's an I, everyday I, song I sing, as far as I'm concerned. I sing him happy birthday to sleep. <laughs> but Love it. Uh, yeah. But we're going to chat about ADHD a bit today because a lot of people wrote in questions about it last time that I put up a question box. And I know you, like me, have a lot of experience in this area. But um, first, I wanted to touch on something else that you and I have already been discussing, which is the imagination spectrum. Yeah, because, this is fascinating. Um, oh, my gosh. So for anybody who doesn't know, like the our brains have sort of like an imagination spectrum. And if you tell someone to picture like an apple, some people can, in their mind, conjure up a picture of a very realistic apple. And then some can kind of picture an apple, like maybe it's more two-dimensional, cartoonish. Um, some people, it maybe it's just like an outline or shadow. But 2 to 5% have what's called aphantasia, and they can't picture anything. And when I asked Instagram about this, a few people were like, yeah, I can't form an image like that in my mind at all. Like they try to picture an apple and their brain is like, that's none of my business. If you want to see an apple, you're going to have to go look at an apple. <laughs> wow. So crazy to me. And I was like, you can't. So like you can't close your eyes and picture like a cat. And they said, no. One person said if they try really hard, they could picture like various parts of a cat, like maybe the whiskers or the eyes. But once they move from one thing to the other, that first thing goes away and then they also can't like put it all together. So then it's like when you're moving through the world, you have like no way of mentally visualizing what people are talking about. Like then just... How does that even work? I don't know. Like, so like, where do you think you fall on the spectrum? You know, I think as with everything else, Dina, I um, chronically overthink this to the point of absolute <laughs> oblivion and totally losing the thread of meaning. Um, we love that about you. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's one of my signature traits, but um, it's like, I think it's the closing the eyes that gets me. Like I, when I close my eyes, I think about it way too much. But if I don't mm. close my eyes, I actually, I can picture a cat right now. You know, like I can picture right. its eyes, its whiskers, its coloring. But when I try to close my eyes, I think then I'm like trying to create this like very vivid image that I'm like expecting myself to see as if it's a picture in front of me. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. But I that's do... funny because I feel like I can only do it with my eyes closed. Huh. That's interesting. Because another thing, like I do, I do relate to the people on the lower end of the spectrum, like regardless of where I actually met out um, because I'm definitely not a visual person. Like it, I always tell the story about um, in college, I was taking a statistics class as part of my psychology minor. Um, and it was pretty much an epic failure in every way for me. Um, but, you know, we had like a grad student teaching the class and she pulled me aside one day and she was like, I just have to show you this. This is so crazy. Everyone usually gets the graph questions right and you miss them every single time. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? And I was like, thank oh, you. Funny is the word I would <laughs> use, but like I have horrible spatial reasoning. I have horrible sense of direction. Um, and I know it's inherited because like my mom is the same way. And yeah, I, I don't visualize things very well. I'm such a verbal 
person and a verbal learner. Like if you explain something to me in words, then the comprehension is flowing. But like, it always blows my husband's mind that like, I can look at a graph and not understand it. And he's like, how is that even possible? Oh, that is a good point. I guess I'm similar. Yeah, I'd be similar in that way. Well, I need all of it. I'm like, I need the verbal. I need the Mm -hmm. picture. (laughs) Yeah, I think what I really am is like, I'm a hands on learner. Like if I'm not like doing it, I don't retain it, you know? Yeah, no, I think I think that's so many people. But I also Mm -hmm. I feel like this, like when I came across this, I was like, this is such a good example of how very differently so many of our brains work in ways that like we don't always recognize both in other people and in ourselves like the natural assumption is that other people just experience the world like the same way we do because that's all we know Mm -hmm. and um I've definitely found this to be the case with like ADHD and neurodivergence in general whether we're talking about like autism spectrum sensory processing highly sensitive people um, because they're all sort of on that like interconnected spectrum. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's also why so many people make it to adulthood before they're diagnosed with those things. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think it's fascinating. You're so right. Like we all operate in such different ways. And then I think we're like afraid to talk about it because there are these like societal norms and expectations of like what it is to be a good functional person in our society that we've all internalized and so it's like I'm not allowed to say that this is hard for me because the expectation is like I'm a good person so of course I should just do that like it's all of the like shoulds you know what I mean yeah and you look at other people who've had like really what we see as like very like real struggles so you're like well I have no Mm -hmm. like I can't be struggling like my life is relatively easy compared to that person's but Mm-hmm. If your brain works in a completely different way, a lot of things are going to be harder than they were otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's like a, an internalizing thing, or at least it was for me. Like, I had so many, I have like very, very intense internalized shame about like mm-hmm. pretty much everything there is to feel guilty about, even if it has absolutely nothing to do with me. And I think for years, I was just like, oh, this is the way that I am, you know, and then when my oldest was diagnosed with ADHD, it that's when it kind of started clicking because, you know, I see in my family history, like very, mm-hmm. very clear issues of executive dysfunction and, you know, chronic lateness, disorganization, stuff like that. But I think I've just, I just always thought that those must be just personal failings and not have anything to do with like, you know, the way your brain is structured. So mm-hmm. um, I think I had just internalized all of that over over the years where I was kind of like, you know, I struggle with all of those things too, but I had just assumed that's because I sucked at a lot of things, you know? Well, and like you talked about executive dysfunction and I think like a lot of people because, you know, of the name because of ADHD and what it stands for and because the stereotype was like it's hyperactive boys and that's who was most often studied people tend to think of ADHD as just like an hyperactivity issue or lack of focus or attention issues but we know that it's actually really a struggle with executive function which is like emotional regulation like feeling Mm -hmm. really overwhelmed by your emotions um I know like I could go down the list of emotional 
dysregulation and be like, check, 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 because like low frustration tolerance and like taking a long time to return to baseline after you're upset. Um, Mm -hmm. All of those things are things that I have long struggled with. And then like the the other things that fall under executive uh, function, like task initiation, you know, working memory, uh, time blindness, <laughs> like it's all of those mm-hmm. things. And I feel like so much of it, a lot of it comes down to like, when you're trying to maintain a household and a life, those things are obviously very important. And yeah. when you struggle with them, it look you there are are these like internalized feelings of shame because we attach such like a moral value to things like like tidiness right we're like cleanliness mm-hmm. is next to godliness so i can't keep you know i can't stay on top of my laundry or the clutter in my house like i must just be a lazy slob and mm-hmm. it's like no that's not what's happening yeah and and so many of those things are care tasks they're not even you know, anything to do with who you are as a person, who you are as, you know, a mom, daughter, friend, employee, like, a lot of that is just, and I think it's harder for women too, because so much of that, those sort of administrative burdens have been placed on us, but then we're just expected to do it all because patriarchy. And it's just, it's too much, you know, so like, I had that experience too, where it was, I think, after my second was born that I really started to feel like my Mm. life had become unmanageable and it didn't really occur to me that it was because of ADHD until my oldest was diagnosed. Like, I think I, for a while I've thought like, yeah, I have a lot of those characteristics, but I'm just going to put a pin in that for now. But then when my oldest was diagnosed, I, I was kind of like also struggling with a lot of the same exact Mm -hmm. issues. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. raising a tiny version of myself. This is great. Um, but you know, all the same things that she was struggling with, I was struggling with too. And I, I really resonate with the definition of ADHD as like a surplus of attention, Mm -hmm. you know, that like, it's not, you know, the name deficit implies that you don't have enough, but actually it's, it's a deficit in being able to control it. Right. And that really resonates with me. And also it's one of the things that I love about myself. Like I Mm -hmm. often think like, would I be a writer if I didn't notice fucking everything? Right. Like everything. I, I I have probably 10 times the thought of a normal person or, you know, someone who isn't, you know, neurodivergent in any way. Um, and it, it allows me to be able to kind of harness a lot of observations, have really like deep connections, think about things really passionately, mm-hmm. feel things really deeply. Like, and and then, of course, like the flip side of all of that is the challenges of all of those things. Like, you know, sometimes feeling things so deeply that I'm like having crippling despair my entire day, you know. Well, and I feel like that's like, like that hyper focus, uh, you know, I learned can be it can be positive or it can be negative. Because if you're hyper focusing on all of those negative emotions, that's not going to do great things for you. Mm-hmm. Um But it is like if you, you know, if like you said, with your writing, like it is for so many people, if you can kind of learn to work with it, it can be you can do so many people do amazing things who have um, ADHD. 
And I had a similar, I mean, it was the same thing for me, like being diagnosed in adulthood because I had a child who was that classic, like hyperactive Mm -hmm. child. And that's easy to see and tends to cause more obvious issues. Um, And so like, and, and we thought that for a long time, like, oh, this is a thing that, you know, affects boys and now we know it affects girls at a similar rate it just Mm -hmm. looks different because and we know like we should say that ADHD is broken down not currently into like there's inattentive type hyperactive type and then combined type and so during that diagnostic process I felt like my child and I like our behavior looked very different but the struggles were so similar Mm -hmm. Um, and we also know that like it's so highly hereditary that I know professionals say like if you have a kid with ADHD like take a look around your family Mm -hmm. (laughs) those apples don't usually fall far from the tree (laughs) it's just yeah and it's so funny how like this wasn't really part of the cultural discussion for such a long time so like Mm -hmm. for example I have a family member who has chronic chronic lateness like talking like two plus hours late regularly to events things like that and it was always so frustrating to me as a child just kind of like what is the problem here like why Mm -hmm. like other people can get places on time and you know I think there's just so much shame attached to it and then judgment by our society um but it's like do you think that could have something to do with the way someone's brain is structured like who would choose to be two hours late to everything in their life like that's right. That makes your life a disaster. So right. like maybe this has something to do more with just this person isn't trying hard enough, you know? Right. Yeah. They're not, it's not laziness. It's not, again, it's like the, all those executive function things. And I think like for me, and I know someone asked about ADHD and anxiety, and I feel like a lot of women have had a similar experience where like I for a long time thought that I just had anxiety in which I do and like the way that every millennial has anxiety. I feel like like show me a millennial who doesn't get nervous diarrhea and I will show you a liar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in the diagnostic process, like I discovered that I didn't actually have generalized anxiety disorder as I had thought like most of my anxiety had been caused by the ADHD like it was this constant worry of how I was going to cope in certain situations Mm -hmm. like if one of my kids got sick I would end up spiraling into this mess of anxiety but when I like explored it with a therapist it wasn't really about my kids being sick or Mm -hmm. worry about something happening to them it was more like I'm not going to be able to cope. I'm not going to be able to manage in this situation and keep all these balls juggling Mm -hmm. and make it through the day. Like, I'm not going to be able to cope. Yeah. And then I think that can turn into a lot of self-doubt over time Mm -hmm. when it happens again and again. And then it also can lead to, like, anxious avoidance. Yeah. It's like, I I just feel like motherhood has been such an interesting litmus test for me and for so many other mothers I know of like Mm -hmm. what your problems are (laughs) because really it's Mm -hmm. like it's such a a huge undertaking and such a tremendous demand on you that everything kind of rises to the surface you know so that's like that's really what I felt 
around the time my oldest was being diagnosed um, was that, you know, before I had kids, I was able to manage my life pretty well because I could put everything, all of my energy, all of my capacity into, you know, succeeding at work and meeting my work expectations. And then the rest of my time was pretty much my, my own, you know, and then it's like within, you know, a five year span, I became a mother, my parents separated, I became a mother for the second time, my parents divorced, I had crippling postpartum depression, my husband went through like a difficult season at work, like it was just the demands kept piling, piling, piling on. And then I was kind of like, oh, shit, like, I am not managing anything well. And I I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people feel that feeling of like the perpetual failure of trying to juggle it all. But mine was like, it's not even that I didn't have the time, like, even when I had the time to focus on work, like, I was just so mentally overwhelmed by everything. Like, I just felt like I was using all of my mental energy for like, the undesirable tasks in my life that had, right. you know, multiplied by 10. And so it was, my brain was just like, um, yeah, I don't think so. Like we're, we're out of gas here. And it was just really frustrating. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had the similar situation where it was like having the third child, like once that, and even if I look back prior to that, like I had, I had developed these very like perfectionistic tendencies, I think, because I was like, okay, I just need to keep, you know, if I can keep everything in line and just stay on top of it constantly. Like I was living in this state of like hyper, like just trying so hard to keep it all organized in a way that actually doesn't like serve who I am, but it was like, you know, this is how I'm going to control it. This is how I'm going to get through it. And the third child came along and it was like, like that was never going to, I couldn't keep up the charade anymore. Right. Like I couldn't, it wasn't going to work. But yeah, I think now though, and it's, I think it's a struggle being, you know, a parent with ADHD, ADHD, parenting a child with ADHD often feels very unfair. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the blind leading the blind. Exactly. And so, and in some ways it's really helpful um, because I'm like, I know on a very deep level what they're experiencing, but at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm having a hard enough time, like keeping track of my own life. And now I have to like, you know, I'm helping this other person or people keep track of their lives and keep their lives moving on tr- mm-hmm. like the way they need to be. Um, and so I do, I have found that like a lot of the things that help me feel like better or worse with ADHD is really a lot of the same things that make neurotypical people feel better and worse, mm-hmm. but just in kind of a more like amplified way. Like, mm-hmm. so do you, what do you feel like, what are some things that you notice that will make you like feel better or worse from an ADHD perspective or your kids? Yeah, I think like systems are important for everybody, you know, having a system for how you do things. I think that's like a a pretty um, underappreciated approach in life. Like it's kind of like the secret of why anything works is that you have a system. Like that's how anything gets done, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, the systems are 
crucial, mm-hmm. like absolutely crucial. I have to have a system for everything and how it's going to get done. And to me, one of the most critical things is like externalizing my brain as much as possible. Like I just started a new job a couple months ago. And um, as I've been kind of like ramping up, I've been keeping just a bunch of post-it notes everywhere of like a random thing someone said that I'm like, I don't understand what that means. And I need to come back to that. Or, you know, like my to-do list has has had to be like incredibly uh, detailed Mm -hmm. of like, look into this thing and then ask this person and then go check that it doesn't exist somewhere else. And then go call this person (laughs) to ask this. And like, absolutely insane. Like I look like a crazy person. Like yesterday I was like translating into a to-do list, literally this wild stack of post-it notes that was like three inches high of just like all of the random shit that I've been writing down. And my husband came back and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I've had this chaotic stack of post-it notes that make zero sense. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, what is that about? I've noticed that. And I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying not to lose it because it just, it evaporates out of my mind so quickly. Right. Well, yeah. I'm like, you have to get it out of your head too, yeah. or it will just keep coming back and swirling with all the other things. Like I'm, I'm like, I have to get it out of my brain so I can like move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, oftentimes that means like writing it down wherever I can in that moment. Yeah. And then later on, yeah, gather up all those post-it notes and turn them into something that makes sense. Which like I, I I'm, you know, stopping people like, I'm sure you think I'm insane for asking you to repeat that thing that was so simple, but I promise you, I will not remember that. And then later on, when I'm trying to get back into this, I will have no idea what we were talking about. Right. And so really, I'm just trying to like save more of your time. Right. But so like that's a system. I have a lot of systems around my house, you know, like we have cleaners that mm-hmm. come every two weeks, which is huge. And to me, that's like, that's the linchpin. If I didn't have that, everything would fall apart because that's the time that I like put away the clutter, deal with stuff. I have to have that like external trigger of them coming to get anything done. And so I have that trigger and things are better because of it. Right. No. And I do the same thing. It's funny because I like primarily am a stay at home mom, but I keep a daily list of tasks of like the things that I need to do every single day. I mean, it's not like it's things like I literally put like make your bed on the list, take your meds on the list. And it's the Mm -hmm. same thing that I do for my child because I will find myself getting so ahead of myself in my tasks. Like I'll see something and I'll start to do that. And oh, it's noon and I haven't made my bed. I haven't taken my meds. Like it sounds so dumb to someone who doesn't have ADHD that I would have to write like make your bed on a list. But it's an easy way when I get that like – like that – decision paralysis where you're doing that like almost like pacing in your house I can Mm -hmm. go to that list and be like all right like let's rein it in here go down the list um and like literally I I won't think of it otherwise so it is I will not think of it it's so crazy to me and I do the same thing for my child like brush your teeth is on their list because otherwise it will get forgotten. Like it just mm-hmm. is kind of the nature of it. Um, so yeah, I, the listing, but I do also, it's funny. I've had to give myself grace with the list too, because I have to constantly tell myself like, this list is here to serve me. This is not a list that is 
going to be allowed to give me guilt if I don't do everything on the list. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the other, like, you know, this wanting to check everything off of our to-do list is often um, due to, like, perfectionistic tendencies and also ADHD people. Like, the way we think of time is very, like, there's right now and then there's, like, some big time in the future. So you have this to-do list of all these things and you're like, I need to do these all right now. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like I had to just reframe my thinking around, like, all right, what is the actual purpose of this list? It's just to keep your day running smoothly and feel a little more sense of peace. So yeah. if it's stressing you out and making you feel bad, the list isn't doing its job anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the just like biggest revelations I've had directly from you, just like talking to you, your content online. I feel like you do such a wonderful job of like almost being like an antidote to judgment and self-judgment for moms. Like, I was telling you the other day, I I feel like every time I talk to you, I just like, I feel this huge weight lifted off my shoulders or like even just seeing your content Mm -hmm. online. And I'm like, of course I know you in real life, but I, I'm sure everybody feels like they know you too, just because you're so friendly and approachable, but you know me better. You know me better. Thank you. That's, (laughs) that's what I was really hoping for. Um, (laughs) But I feel like you have this fabulous way of reframing things in a way that is not about guilt and self-judgment like sometimes I'm like you know going down my usual rabbit holes of like this is probably all my fault for these reasons um like even down to the most specific stupid shit like one of my kids is having a meltdown or um you know I didn't buy a certain thing at the grocery store and I'm just like clearly I'm terrible I I messed this up and then like I'll talk to you and you're like, or maybe it's these 10 reasons that have nothing to do with you and you're doing so much already. And, you know, it, it, I never think about things that way to like have more forgiveness and kindness toward myself. And I just feel like there's something about your essence as a person that you're just like, it's like, I feel so empowered and just this emotional weight lifted of like, Oh, it's not about it's not about me. Like I don't have to hate myself over this. And I think you, you just do such a wonderful job with that, Dana. Aw, thanks. I think it's be I think it's because like one of the perks of having the community that I do, like social media, um, is that you learn that like we're all so much more alike than we think we are. I think especially moms. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think there has ever been a time when I have shared something. And no, no one has been like, nope, not me. Like, usually the messages come pouring in that's like, yep, been there. Like, absolutely, we're going through the same thing. Like, we tend to think we're we're alone in like the struggles that we face, and we're almost never are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a big part of it, and like a big perk of you know what I do on social media. Um, And to not take ourselves and our problems like so seriously, like there's, mm -hmm. I feel like you just often like offer this like more playful way of looking at the world where it's just like a more enjoyable way to like move through your life as a mom. And also like, do you really want to be feeling that way? Because you don't have to, you know, I think that's amazing. Um, Yeah. And I do feel like I, I... (laughs) A lot of people asked about um, like medication and, 
you know, when do you explore medication and what is your experience with medication? And I do feel like that is a part of my journey that has been really helpful because it it really made me able to get to know myself like outside of my ADHD the ADHD part of myself if that makes sense and Mm -hmm. I I think I was able to kind of like separate those things out and say all right this is not this is just the way my brain works it's not necessarily like this negative part of my personality a lot of it is just the world that we live in is it really Mm -hmm. designed for neurodivergent people um but yeah, I, and I, so that's been a really powerful part of my journey. And I will say, because I don't, I, I'm not a doctor. Um, I I think, you know, because people will ask me questions about, you know, when to try medication with your kids. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't answer that question for other people. But for me, the question kind of comes down to like confidence. Um, mm-hmm. Part of the reason that we got our child evaluated was because I felt like I noticed him getting down on himself Mm -hmm. because you know we would say you need to remember these things or you need to be responsible for these things at one point he responded and he was like I just I don't know what I know I just don't I don't know what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. like I don't know why I can't remember or focus and like at that point I was like oh my gosh this is not what I want for my child at all Mm -hmm. um and luckily we went through that evaluation process and it was great and we were given tons of advice and supports and um those things are all doing working really well for us right Mm -hmm. now but if it were to get to a point again where it felt like his confidence was taking a hit, I would have no problem exploring medication. But everybody, every kid is so different. Yeah. Like it kind of reminds me when I was really struggling with postpartum depression, because um, I'm not on any medication specifically for ADHD. I am on Wellbutrin, which kind of can be subscri- or prescribed um, off-label for ADHD sometimes. But um like I was really struggling with postpartum depression. I wasn't on any antidepressants and I was kind of like telling my therapist, well, here are all the things that I'm doing to get through my day. And I was listing these elaborate rituals I had to like be able to function. And I was like, so, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. I'm trying really hard at it, but you know, I feel like with all of this, I am able to mostly get through the day. You know, it's, it's not always easy. It's often really hard, but like with these strategies, I'm hanging in there. And she just kind of looked at me and was like, I mean, it sounds like you're trying really hard to manage this. And she's like, but maybe it doesn't have to be so hard. And I was like, ooh, okay. Um, yeah. I haven't thought about it that way. Right. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm suffering and miserable, but it's okay. I've got it. Um, <laughs> so well, and that, I, I think yeah. about that sometimes. Like, does it have to be so hard if there, you know, if there's something that could help you that you need it could make it easier. Like, I think sometimes we're just conditioned to think that like, especially as moms, as women, that just like, it's supposed to be hard. The hustle mm-hmm. culture of it all. It's like, yeah, each day is going to be hard. That's life. Life is hard. It's like, well, but if it's hard in a way that it doesn't have to be, that is, you know, right. detracting from your functioning in life, detracting from your capacity for happiness and joy and feeling peace in your life and mm-hmm. there's something that could help with that like why wouldn't you look into that right. option you know 
Well, and I had a similar experience where I was like, you know, if I get eight hours of sleep every night and I do an hour of cardio a day and I make sure I eat, you know, six small meals with plenty of protein, I feel great. And the psychiatrist was like, how often are you able to have days like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, literally never. <laughs> right. Um, it's like the so, conditions are not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I do think like for me, especially if we're just talking like practical tips aside from um, like medication, things that, well, things that make me feel worse is sleep deprivation. And then um, I tend to gravitate towards really sugary, you know, high carb foods. And Mm -hmm. I do try to practice like intuitive eating, but I have found annoyingly that I do need more protein, especially Mm -hmm. in the morning in order to like not want to curl up in a ball and die by 3 (laughs) p.m. Yeah. I'm very sensitive to both those things, things too, like the sleep deprivation. It's so funny. Like I, I often, um, I'm the one who like needs to nap, needs to um, have a break from the kids, has to sleep in longer. And my husband's kind of like, okay, like I'm fine to take them. You know, he's, he's come Mm -hmm. to understand that like him being sleep deprived is not the same thing as me. Like he can push through it. And it's funny because we know another couple where one of them has ADHD, actually the husband does. And it's the same thing. Like the, the neurotypical spouse is the one who typically takes the brunt of the sleep deprivation when kids are sick, when things are crazy, right. stuff like that, because it's like not a question of if I can function. Like we know I can't function. I cannot. Right. It's it's right. not up for debate. Yeah, and it's not always – yeah, it's like not – what's equal is not always going to be the, or like, what's, what is the, what's the quote? What's yeah, the same like, is like not always equity. equal. It's equal yeah. is not always the same. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I do, yeah. yeah. And I do, um, my cycle also has plays a huge part in, in ADHD. And I know, I think there's more talk around that, like how hormones play in ADHD with women. I know a lot of people are like talking more about menopause and ADHD. Um, and it, Thank goodness, because I know I think that's such a huge struggle for so many people, Um, so many women that, once again, they felt very alone in and were Mm -hmm. like, what is happening to me? Um, So, yeah, that's another thing that that I also try to keep in the back of my mind, like tracking my cycle just so that I know when like my brain fog, my heavy brain fog days are coming up, you know, (laughs) right. And uh, I feel like during those times, especially if people ask me about supplements all the time, I'm pretty, I take supplements. I'm pretty like loosey goosey about them. Like I take a, a, uh, like a daily, I still take the same prenatal I've taken forever just as a multivitamin pretty much. And then like, Mm -hmm. I think things like magnesium help and B6 and I have low iron and low vitamin D. So I take those, but that's another thing that I'm like, you know those are obviously also things to discuss with your doctor and it's like I don't think any one thing is just like this magic solution nothing is going to like Mm -hmm. I know I get ads for these literally like ADHD drinks on Facebook or on um, Instagram Mm -hmm. that I'm just like oh my gosh like 
<sighs> yeah, like in terms of focus, you know, like I don't I don't take anything for supplement wise for focus, but like time blocking is really important for me and like using a visual timer, for example, yes. that's something that both my kid and I use so much, you know, like I'll 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 say like, okay, you have 15 minutes to get ready for school. Oh. Here it is, like the visual timer. And she and I have realized like we literally cannot conceive of time mm-hmm. if we don't yep. see a visual reminder of it. Like that just does that process doesn't happen in my brain. And so that helps a ton. And then I really try to like not switch tasks too much because sometimes it is just impossible to get back to that task. Right. And I think like you just talked about mornings with kids and that was a struggle I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, I think one of the biggest things in helping kids with ADHD, and I'm curious if you agree, is easing those transitions. And I think morning for kids is such a big transition. And um, I, I think especially for kids with ADHD. So I'm always like, okay, I need to, you know, make sure my child's getting enough sleep, but also wake them up with enough time to really transition into that, like, ease into that, you know, getting ready for school process. And you actually gave me the tip about having them wear their school clothes to bed. And even if she's like, I really want to wear pajamas, I'll have her wear like her undershirt that she's going to wear the next day so that it's not like so jarring to like strip yeah. down you know and, <laughs> and change your just clothes noticing, like being asked to put on a fresh pair of identical soft leggings is a repeated trigger of a complete meltdown in the morning so let's minimize that process it's just like that's the stuff that can get exhausting for me sometimes is having to try to like think ahead to all of those things mm-hmm. and you know like think about like okay well if we do do it this way then um that's going to probably lead to a huge meltdown but we we can't do it the other way because we already have this this and this going on like there's just there's already so much to consider with kids like making sure that they're stimulated enough making sure they're not on screens too much making sure that they're fed and have snacks and all of that like it to me it kind of reminds me of what how my ADHD manifests in terms of like anything that causes like a disruption for a neurotypical person is just like intensified for me. Right. Like I recently shared that I often leave dishes on the counter at night. And I I said it because I see a lot of this like, you know, clean up your kitchen at night, reset mm-hmm. stuff. I can't go to sleep with a messy kitchen. And I can. I'm usually wiped at the end of the day. Like I can handle that task so much more easily and quickly in the morning. So that's when I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like knowing your windows of like, this is when I function best. Super important. I know that you probably need to get going. So (sighs) thanks for chatting. Anytime. And I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much, Jaina. Talk to you soon. Momplicated is a Bravadio production with support from ACAST. It's hosted by me, Dana Phillips. Our producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. It's presented solely for entertainment purposes. The opinions expressed here are not intended as legal, psychological, or any type of professional advice. You can follow, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And for more content, follow me on Instagram at Dana.P.Phillips. See you next week.